Welcome to the Detox Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gwena, certified holistic health coach and detox enthusiast, and I'm here to talk all things detox. Toxins exist in our lives in many forms, from the foods we eat, products we use, people we spend time with, and even the thoughts in our heads. Here we discuss how various toxins may be sapping our energy and vitality, and how we can detox to create a life we love. Each week, we'll discuss everything from nutrition, clean beauty, body image, dress management techniques, career and business, relationships, you name it. Whether it's with a guest or just yours truly, we'll get real, raw, and honest and provide tangible tips to detox all areas of our lives. If you're ready to step into the most vibrant version of you, let's get started. I was definitely a perfectionist. I was definitely type A. I didn't like asking anybody for help. And I think it really took a lot of acceptance and kind of self-compassion with myself. I had to relearn. I had it for everybody else, but I didn't have it for me um, to realize that maybe I did need help and that maybe accepting that, yes, I did have high functioning anxiety and I was pretty depressed at the time, which it took me a long time to accept either of those. I actually kind of laughed in the doctor's faces when they told me both times that I had those and I denied it. I was like, I don't. And I think I just had this real barrier up. I was like, I'm fine. I can handle it. And honestly, looking back on it now, that is what got me into a lot of the mess, I think, um, by just wanting to handle everything by myself. And as you say, kind of realizing that stress was playing a factor but not really looking at what that meant and I think because I didn't really want to have to change my life and I didn't want to have to tell anybody that I needed to take it easy for a while or that I needed some help. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Detox Diaries podcast. I actually changed my mind and decided that I wanted to share this episode this week in the last week of the year, when I feel like people are kind of thinking about any kind of shifts they want to make in the new year, any intentions that they may have. And I just thought, why not release it sooner? Because I just thought this conversation was so motivational and inspirational. And I thought, why wait? So this week I'm chatting with Katie Mullen. She's an IBS and gut health expert and certified health coach. And we chat about her journey with healing her gut and the unexpected keys to finally feeling like herself again. You know, most people assume that diet is like the number one contributor when it comes to gut-related issues, and also the the number one related symptom when it comes to gut issues is kind of like what we associate with GI stuff. So, you know, like bloating, gas, constipation, that kind of thing. But there's just so much more to all of this. So we chat about what IBS really is, unexpected symptoms you can experience when your gut is out of balance, the keys to healing your gut, why many women with type A or perfectionist personalities experience gut issues, the number one way to regulate your nervous system and get your body out of the stress response, and what high-functioning anxiety and depression can look like and how to heal. So again, I just this conversation was so amazing. I couldn't hold on to it any longer. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the show. I'm excited to chat with you today. And we can just kind of get started with you talking about what your journey has been to kind of doing what you do now. Of course. Hi, Nicole. Thanks so much for having me. Um, So my journey has been a long one. It's been about 10 years. And it initially started off with me being told that I had IBS. Um, And I did 
the standard things that everyone does to begin with. I cut out gluten, I cut out dairy. Each time I kind of, I felt a little bit better and then I kept taking another dip. So it just kind of led to me cutting more and more things out of my diet because when I was going back and forth to the doctors, all they ever talked to me about was diet. And I was handed the low FODMAP leaflet and other than that I wasn't really given too much support and I think in the first few years um my symptoms were kind of I could live with them they weren't too bad it would I would flare up every now and then um but it wasn't affecting my life too much um but then over the years it kind of got worse and worse and worse um which eventually kind of fast forwarded and led to chronic fatigue I felt like I was 88 instead of 28 and I was really panicking I remember there was this one specific time where um my mum had to come and stay with me for the weekend in London at 28 years old and she was helping me brush my hair because my I literally couldn't even hold my hairbrush my hairbrush was falling out of my hand I was getting ubers to work because my knees were buckling as I was walking down the road and I was terrified and all the doctors could tell me was that it's just IBS and that's where for me I think my journey kind of took a turn because I was like I don't believe it I don't believe that it is just IBS I'd looked into IBS and I've realized that actually IBS doesn't even really exist it's just a term for well syndrome is a collection of symptoms so basically to me it read that the doctor didn't know what was wrong with me so they were just kind of classing it in this massive bubble of its IBS and nothing that they were suggesting was helping me. And I thought I can either lay down and accept that this is just my life now, um, or I can try and do something about it. So that's when I started kind of looking into the holistic route. Wow. That's, I didn't realize it was that extreme. And when you say just so people can kind of like track the progress, initially when you were experiencing the symptoms and going to the doctor, but it wasn't like, it was just flare ups. You kind of described it as what did that look like? Like what were the initial stages from a symptom? Yeah. So it was, um, it's kind of, it's harder to remember to write back to the beginning because you obviously you just remember the really awful stuff when it got really bad. But I think it was basically just kind of more of like the food baby bloat. Like it was uncomfortable, but it was bearable. Um, and I was just kind of running to the loo a lot. Um, and then from there, it kind of just got worse and worse and worse. And the kind of the bloat that was uncomfortable just got horrendous and it just felt like it's kind of turned to more of distension so it kind of literally feels like your stomach's bursting and I felt and looked like I was six months pregnant like it's insane and I know I've spoken to some clients since who have suffered with bloating um in the past and said that they actually looked more pregnant when they were bloated than when they were six months um pregnant so it can be crazy um but yeah it was literally it then kind of turned into everything that I was eating within probably 15 minutes of eating I was running to the bathroom and that just wasn't making sense to me it wasn't adding up because I knew it takes a lot longer than that for food to get from your stomach to to the toilet or it should do anyway and so that kind of started ringing some alarm bells and that's when I kind of started doing more of my own research because the doctors kind of seemed a bit flummoxed. And when I was getting more symptoms kind of towards the chronic fatigue and 
I was getting rashes and my hair was thinning and I kind of just felt like I had this mystery illness. Yeah. I mean, I can't even imagine when you were saying like your knees were buckling, you could barely walk. I mean, that's like really scary. I mean, I'm so yeah. sorry through that. Cause yes. How would you ever think that IBS would be causing like symptoms that are that extreme? So once you started going the holistic route and learning about things like that, kind of what did that end up looking like for you? Yeah. So I actually had, so I, I, during my journey, I went to multiple doctors. I spent a hell of a lot of money. I went private. I kind of, I had all the conventional tests um, and they were all coming up clear, which is such a weird space to be in like headspace wise, because obviously you don't want anything that's like really wrong with you but you kind of want some validation that something's wrong and you're not going crazy and as soon as you know what's wrong you can fix it right whereas when everyone keeps telling you you're fine and your tests keep coming back normal it just puts so much more stress on you mentally I think um so my anxiety and everything had gone through the roof my moods were really low and I just felt like I just honestly just did not feel like me anymore and there was this one doctor that said to me she she leveled with me and she was like look honestly I don't know what's going on with you but I think something that you could really benefit from um is changing up your lifestyle it sounds like you've got a stressful job give it a go and before that point that kind of it was like laughable I was on the career ladder and I was in I was working in PR and it was high stress kind of like lots of hours and I was working my way up the ladder and I didn't want to stop I'd worked hard and I also wanted to prove it to myself and probably others that I could handle it because everyone else could handle it or that's what it seemed like um but one of my friends was actually going to work in Australia for a year and she'd been trying to convince me to go with her and I kind of couldn't even get it past the original question of her asking I was like that's ridiculous I couldn't possibly do that I've worked so hard like I need to stay where I am um and then when I really thought about it I was like am I happy right now am I enjoying my job I was single at the time. I was kind of over London. I'd been living there three or four years and the fast pace of it, I knew wasn't really doing my illness or whatever I had very good. Um, And I think by that point, you kind of had to get the working holiday visa by the time you were 30, otherwise it expired. And I just thought, if I don't do it now, when will I do it? I'd work my way up to account director and honestly, things weren't any better. I kept thinking things were going to get better, things were going to get more chill and they weren't. Um, so I decided, screw it. I booked the ticket so I couldn't talk myself out of it. And honestly, nobody believed me when I said that I was going. And I think that was the best move that I could have made for my health. Because in Australia, they were just so much further ahead when it came to everything gut related. Holistic health was just normal. People in the office, because ironically, I did end up working. I said I was going to get a cafe job, but I ended up working in PR while I was over there. Um, Still type A. (laughs) And um, people just talked about mental health and like going to see their therapist, like they were going to the dentist, um, which in England really wasn't a thing. People are kind of just starting to warm up to mental health a little bit more now, I think. But still, I don't think they'd openly ever say in the office, oh, by the way, or kind of have in their calendar that they're going to their therapist. And so it was there that I started to do more research. And I actually found out their healthcare system was just so much quicker 
than it is in the UK. We've got an amazing healthcare system in the NHS, but obviously under a lot of pressure, it's free, waiting for appointments takes forever. Um, and yeah, so this was really quick, kind of fast tracked me and they found that I had H. pylori, I had a parasite, they thought I had leaky gut. And this was the first time that I'd heard about these things. So I treated those and I thought that was gonna be, that I thought that was it. I thought that was my problems. And I was going to feel amazing now. And like, to my dismay, I didn't. But that was the first really good step to me um, kind of feeling better. Because that's when I, I started seeing a naturopath. I started getting Chinese acupuncture, which was amazing. And a year before that, if someone had suggested it to me, I think somebody actually did. And I I pretty much told them that was, it was ridiculous. But it was one of my favorite things. And... Um, and that's when I started to see changes and I started to feel better and realized that it wasn't necessarily diet related and that that was a part of it, but not all of it. I think that's where everything kind of started to change and slot into place for me. Yeah, because I'm sure like when that doctor mentioned to you that maybe your stressful lifestyle was part of the problem, was that just like something totally foreign like that concept was something you never even thought about before I think I thought about it and I think everybody knew that kind of like stress is bad for you but I think you were just kind of brought up in like today's society to think but that's normal that's what everyone deals with you've got to deal with it and I think I had this real um not necessarily obsession but I was definitely a perfectionist. I was definitely type A. I didn't like asking anybody for help. And I think it really took a lot of acceptance and kind of self-compassion with myself. I had to relearn. I had it for everybody else, but I didn't have it for me um, to realize that maybe I did need help and that maybe accepting that, yes, I did have high functioning anxiety and that I was pretty depressed at the time, which it took me a long time to accept either of those. I actually kind of laughed in the doctor's faces when they told me both times I had those and I denied it. I was like, I don't. And I think I just had this real barrier up. I was like, I'm fine. I can handle it. And honestly, looking back on it now, that is what got me into a lot of the mess, I think, um, by just wanting to handle everything by myself. And as you say, kind of realizing that stress was playing a factor but not really looking at what that meant and I think because I didn't really want to have to change my life and I didn't want to have to tell anybody that I needed to take it easy for a while or that I needed some help yeah because I think it's that comparison thing of like well there's other people at work that are doing it but obviously exactly. we all have our own predispositions to things that things just hit differently depending on what our bio-individuality is or our makeup is. So yeah, it's, I'm very much the same way. <laughs> so I totally hear that. And then also I feel like when you're being told that you have, you know, high functioning anxiety and depression, there's probably also the feeling of, well, you're saying that's the problem as opposed to now we know that like having those gut disorders were what was probably causing your anxiety and depression, not the other way around where you're mm. having these emotional feelings and that's, you know, you're kind of like making up what you're feeling. Cause I think that's probably yeah. what you felt when you were going to see doctors and they were running tests and didn't have answers. So like what kind of tests were 
just so people know, like tests they were running that you weren't getting, nothing was showing up being the issue. Yeah. So, I mean, I had, I used to joke that if I'd been um, paid for my blood, that I'd be a millionaire by now because I had so many blood tests and every doctor I went to run them again, which obviously is great. And I'd rather that they did that and kind of had all um, bases covered. But yeah, so they just kind of ran standard blood panels. Um, Also, they kept running me for um, celiac tests. But now I realize, because obviously that was a good few years ago now, I wasn't actually eating gluten at the time because it made me feel so bad. So, and nobody really told me um, that I should be eating gluten before I took the test. So looking back on that, that's probably something that should have been changed. Um, And then I got tested for SIBO and yeah, kind of all the standard testing that they did over here, which I realized wasn't actually that extensive. I think, um, I don't think I had stool sample tests until Australia though um and that's when I really they kind of really went deep into like looking at the microbiome and finding out I had dysbiosis and leaky gut and by that point these were all kind of new terms to me because it's pretty trendy now or I think it is but that's my world so it kind of it feels like more people are talking about it um but a few years ago they weren't. And it was very much just IBS. And if you've got IBS, maybe cut out dairy and gluten, but basically it was lifelong and you've got to live with it. And I'm sure no understanding of the other further down the line symptoms that you're experiencing, like chronic fatigue and all of that stuff. So yeah, it must've been, I mean, like kudos to you for just like picking up and making the change. Cause it must've also been scary knowing that you like, don't feel great to be like leaving people, like leaving a support system kind of thing. Yeah. And doing something completely different, but obviously that was absolutely what needed to happen. So just like, so brave of you to do that, which is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And it was interesting because I think everybody thought, cause obviously it's like the Instagram lifestyle you only put up on Instagram, what you kind of want people to see. And I think people were just seeing these amazing photos of me in Australia, which don't get me wrong was awesome. And it was the best thing I ever did, but it was also, I was going through a real, as you were saying, like it was tough and I was taken away from my support network while I was really kind of going through this whole process of healing. And when you realize that actually so much of it is linked to um, your mental health and having to address that, like you have to go really deep and it's a lot of emotional work. And so half the time that I was in Australia, I was really feeling like pretty awful, but just kind of kept that smile on my face for that time. And whenever I checked in with people, I was great and it was great. Um, But yeah, it was definitely what I needed. And I think from taking me out of the environment that I was in, that was causing a lot of those stresses. And because that was my normal there, um, I could have a new normal in Australia and not really have anybody question me about it. So yeah, that was great for me. Yeah, because I'm sure obviously with like the work stress and all of that, but then as you mentioned, like the not asking for help and probably like people pleasing and all of those kinds of things. 100%. I had no boundaries. I said yes to everybody. I was always the one that stayed late. I had like three plans on a Saturday. I'd have like brunch, lunch and dinner plans. Um, I basically just ended up canceling my plans, like any dinner plans during the week because I'd normally ended up working late. Um, So yeah, it was full on at home. So when you realized that these were kind of the changes that you need to to start making, like I'm sure in a lot of sense, it felt like an identity crisis because it kind of feels like that's like 
personal traits that like, how are you supposed to change them? Like kind of what did that look like? Cause I'm sure a lot of people are like, yeah, I know that my life is too stressful or I don't say no to things, but they literally have no idea how they would even begin to change that. Yeah. So it was, and I think to begin with, I think that's the spot on way to put it. It was kind of like an identity crisis and once you kind of get through it, you end up and it's, it's a continual process. And I think that's what everyone doesn't realize as well. I think they think, oh, like you find yourself and then you found yourself, but it isn't as, and I'm sure as you know, cause you've kind of been on your own journey. Like it is something, there's layers like anything. And it's like peeling back the layers. Um, and more than anything, I think what's so interesting about it is it is almost kind of undoing all of those layers to get back to the real you instead of kind of becoming this new version of you which it does feel like because you do feel great and it feels kind of feels like this shiny new version of you but when you really think about it it's actually just kind of peels it back to who you're meant to be and what you actually enjoy and what you want to do which I think we don't really think about because ever since we're children we're kind of if we're not told how to act and how to do things, which obviously we are when we're really little, it's like, say, please say thank you, which obviously is great. Um, But you pick up on everything around you and how your parents act and how your wider family and friends act. And you end up picking up things from them and kind of me anyway, as like the people pleaser that I was like fitting in. And I would really mold myself to whoever I, whoever I was with and what they needed at the time. And I was always the person that people would come to with their problems. And now I realize I'm like a real empath type personality. So I think that was really sucking my energy as well. So it was kind of relearning how to implement boundaries, um, but feel comfortable doing so, do it in a Katie way where I'm not feeling rude um, and not just having to shut myself off the whole time, but realizing when I maybe need to protect my energy a little bit more and what I can do before and after that to to make sure that it doesn't affect me too much. Um, And I've realized that I kind of, although I love being around people and I'm bubbly and friendly. Like I also very much need my alone time, which before, and I think probably because I was struggling with anxiety and I was, I was quite depressed and without really realizing I wasn't really conscious of it. Um, Because to me, depression was basically sitting in a room and not ever wanting to do anything and having horrible thoughts and my personal experience of it and everybody's is different. Um, just wasn't that way but I had like real mood dips and I just wasn't feeling myself but then I could plaster this mask on for everybody else um but sorry I've gone a little bit off track there but yeah what was I saying um but I think so I think that I was I was taking it back to basically it's getting to the real you and that was it I used to be so scared about maybe scared a bit strong but I didn't used to like alone time but I was always surrounded by people so I don't think I really knew what alone time looked like now I love it and I realize that that's what I need and I balance it nicely with seeing my friends going out doing things being social um but I always had to learn what that looked like and for me um it was kind of doing some self-development courses and really looking into, I'm reading a lot of books, a lot of self-development books, um, but then actually applying what they were telling me as well. 
and just having some tools on hand that I could use when I was kind of taking that time and solitude for myself so that I wasn't just sitting there in silence but meditation really helped me journaling really helped me and personally I don't like sitting in silence so I use um, guided meditations and I've got a, like a chill calm playlist so whenever I'm journaling I listen to that and it's just set in the mood because I very much like um, I like lighting and candles and just to feel cozy and just kind of make your own little special space. That's what worked for me anyway. So it kind of just really would calm me down and would feel nice and I'd look forward to it. So I try to um, do that every morning when I got up um, as one of the main things that I kind of started with. And it just made such a difference to the rest of my day. Yeah. And I would imagine like probably like many of us, we're just kind of like running through life without really any kind of introspection as to how we actually feel. And like you were saying, having kind of like a high functioning version of anxiety and depression, Mm -hmm. you're just like masking it and pretending everything's fine and running away from it all the time. Whereas like meditation and journaling is like leaning fully into all of those feelings. And that is how things start to move through and dissipate as opposed to just running away from them, which is what most of us are conditioned to feel when we have difficult things coming up for us. A hundred percent. And I think it's also, it's taking advice from people who have been there, people that know more than you. Um, So what really helped me was investing in courses and even just the um kind of the short masterclasses is kind of how I started I kind of started dipping my toe looking at people on Instagram people that I was inspired by people that I kind of thought could help um and I probably look at some of their lives first to kind of figure out whether I felt like I connected with them and what they were talking about and then um yeah I started doing a couple of masterclasses and then I just started to kind of become obsessed with self-development in a great way. And instead of at the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, who am I? Identity crisis. What do I want? It became this exciting thing. And I was like, and because I think I was such a perfectionist as well, I almost didn't want to put pen to paper to begin with. And when I was having to write my goals, like my actual goals past PR and things like that, and what I actually wanted and putting together a vision board oh my gosh, to begin with, it took me forever because I was like, this needs to be perfect. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to manifest the wrong thing. Um, And then I just realized I'm laughing at myself now because it is just so fluid and you just, you change and things can change with you. And I mean, that's the great thing about technology. You can even do your, everyone prefers things differently, but I have a digital vision board. And when I tick things off or when things change, I switch things in and I switch things out. And instead of just looking at things like that and my goals um, on the 1st of January every year, I'm feeling really guilty because once again, I haven't hit my goals because I haven't looked at them for a year. It's kind of being aware of them. And I just have a quick flick through them um, and affirmations and things that make me feel good in the morning while I'm journaling um, just to keep me on track and I think it keeps you connected to you and what you want and your why and your purpose and why you're doing the work that you're doing yeah and I think so many people would never in a million years think that any of this has anything to do with bloating and chronic fatigue no all of the things that kind of started you on this journey so as you were kind of getting like deeper into the personal development stuff and working on that yeah finding that things you kept feeling better and better physically like kind of how did that 
online. And it blew my mind. Um, and I couldn't actually believe that for once I had, because I couldn't remember, even before I was on diet for IBS, I was always, and I was never, I was never big. I never needed to go on these diets, but it was, it was obviously something that was kind of within me and in my mind. I was always on Slimming World or Weight Watchers, not always to begin with, but kind of dabbled. Um, so from since I can remember, I'd always been on some kind of diet. I'd always been watching what I was eating. And during this time where I was kind of, I'd really kind of ventured into the self-development, I was challenging myself to not care as much about what I ate. And I stopped writing the lengthy food diaries and about my symptoms. And I was like, let's just go all in on this, see how I feel. Then I'll address the diet because I was like, what have I got to lose? I've gone all in on all of these diets so many times to the point where I Frankenstein diets together and I really didn't have many safe foods left. Um, and it was just causing so much stress. And now that I was starting to realize that actually stress was potentially a real factor here. Yeah, I decided to um, press pause on the diets. And I think actually I didn't mention this. So for after Australia, we went traveling for three months, which was kind of always the plan. I was very nervous about it because of my IBS flaring up and it did flare up hugely before we went, um, had map like bigger than ever. And I think it was ironically now looking back on it was because I was stressed about going traveling at the time. I was like, for goodness sake, of course it happens just before I go. But ironically, I think especially when we we're in Thailand, like it was difficult to eat how I would usually eat. So I, um, so this was just before like my real kind of self-development journey, just to give you kind of timings. So this is what kind of led me to believe, okay, it's not necessarily diet because I was in Thailand and I was eating chicken fried rice, which God knows what it had in it because it was just off of a stool two or three times a day. And my bloat was basically non-existent. By the end of the day, it was like a, a, a normal person bloat, as I call it. And I honestly just think it was because I was having fun. I was out in the sun. I wasn't stressed about what I was eating because I didn't have control over it. I was like, okay, this is all that there's available. It's all that I can eat. I'm hungry. I'm going to eat it. I'll deal with the consequences. Even when I've been really strict, it wasn't working for me anyway. I was still bloated. So I kind of just tried to have that mindset. And it was then that I realized that I wasn't getting bloated I was happier than I've been in a long time. So that was kind of what unlocked that part of it before I then went into the self-development journey. So it kind of gave me the okay to, let's just try this, then we'll come back to diet. Yeah, because who would ever think that? Like that is so, I'm sure most people that you end up working with, it's just like, tell me what to eat. Like that's all I need yeah. to know. And they have no understanding of like all of the other things. So I guess now, like kind of where have you landed with, because I imagine food, plays a part just a far smaller yes. part but yeah. kind of like what do you find is the the balance of things that you need to kind of be conscious of to feel your best yeah so I think it's definitely and don't get me wrong nutrition is so important but I know as we've kind of spoken about previously um Nicole uh if you're in the stress response which I now know that my body was and it was locked in the stress response. And it had been for a couple of years, if not longer. 
it's like a light switch. And if you're in the stress response, you physically can't be in the rest and digest response. And I didn't know that at the time. And I think so many people don't know this. So if you're stressed out and you're eating a meal, your body basically thinks it hasn't changed its response to stress from when we were cavemen. So it literally thinks it doesn't care if it's like a stressful job, a stressful yeah job or email from your boss or whether you've just been fired or whether you, you're running away from an actual tiger. It thinks you're running away from a tiger. So what it does is it kind of, it gives all of your energy and pumps all of your blood and all of your bodily resources to your limbs so that you can run and to your brain so that you can be alert. So obviously digesting your dinner really doesn't seem that important to it at that point. So what it does is it actually it either, it does one of two things. It either flushes out what's in your stomach and what's in your system, which is why you can sometimes have the reaction of you eat something and literally within 10 to 20 minutes, you're running to the loo because your body's just flushing it out. It's like, we haven't got time for this. We need to get rid of it. We need to focus on that tiger and run away from it. Or it just sits there. Um, and you don't get the necessary kind of juices and digestive enzymes that you need to break down that food. And that's when the gas and constipation can occur. Um, so literally your digestion switches off. And so many of us are just walking around in the stress response and don't even realize it. And the thing is, and this is what led me to kind of wanting to be a health coach and change my career and spread the message is ironically and it made me so angry to begin with, is it's so easy. It's so easy to kind of start making these switches and get yourself out of this stress response. It can literally sometimes be as simple as literally doing some breath work before you eat and just getting yourself back into that parasympathetic rest and digest state. But we're not taught that. And don't get me wrong, if you've been ill for years, I'm not saying that a little bit of breath work is suddenly going to fix all of your issues. Obviously, it's the rewiring of your behaviors, your beliefs, working out what your stresses are and kind of trying to stop them proactively and also have a toolbox reactively when you're in that situation to kind of get you back into rest and digest. Um, but yeah, so for me, that is number one, is focusing on stress because as I tell my clients, you could literally be eating cheeseburgers. It doesn't make a difference. If you're in stress response, you're not going to be digesting and you're not going to be um, assimilating or absorbing any of the nutrients. So that's step one. And then we kind of look at resetting your habits and kind of setting up your lifestyle for success, because it's normally whatever's going on around you is having a hand in your symptoms. So it's looking at those, adjusting some of your habits and yeah, and really setting you up for success and making sure that you have strong foundations and a strong base for you then to build on. Then I look at nutrition and that is, is a huge part of the puzzle because so many um, people who are struggling with IBS have dysbiosis, have leaky gut. So it means that basically you've got an imbalance of bad gut bacteria and it's getting rid of that. It's building back up your good gut bacteria um, with certain foods, adding, I call them my gutsy faves and helping build up your um, your microbiome and your gut lining again. Um, so that hopefully this doesn't happen again and you feel your best. And with all of that, it's just, it's a domino effect. Your energy comes back, your skin starts looking better. Your libido comes back. If that went for a lot of people, I know it does. Um, and you just start feeling like you again. Yeah. I mean, it must be because I think people have so much resistance to 
the lifestyle change and the mindset change kind of more than anything else. Like I think we're so conditioned to be not that they sick, but like to go on a diet or a workout plan or like those things that like, don't really feel like it's changing that much of like our identity or kind of that we value in life. Cause so many of us, it's like being busy is something to be proud of. It's like a badge Mm -hmm. of honor, like who's more stressed and whose job or whatever it may be. So I'm sure it's probably challenging for people to understand that like, that's actually the most important thing for them to change. Do you find that for some people, they're just like, I won't do it. I haven't so far. I haven't really, I haven't really come across anyone client wise that said that they won't do it, but I do. And because I make it very clear kind of before I work with them, like, look, this is how I work. This is why it's different. And then I also try to explain in kind of like a very kind of understanding way that that there's a reason that none of your diets have worked and it is because of this huge missing piece and if you don't I understand if you're not ready to do this work yeah but this is how I do it and we're kind of you're not going to get the results otherwise but I I totally get it because I had resistance to it to begin with because it is it's um it can be pretty overwhelming. It's kind of shining a light on all of the bits of you that you need to change. And what I find is, is a lot of women who are struggling with IBS and gut issues do tend to cross over with high functioning anxiety, type A, perfectionist, people pleasers. And we don't like to be told that we're doing things wrong. And so I think it's really kind of being gentle with yourself about that realizing that you're not doing anything wrong um but there are better ways to do things and if you want to feel better this is how we do it and um, I do think and it is so ironic because diets are hard and everyone finds them hard but people would much rather do that I think because it's just it's much easier to stick to right and it's kind of it's only three times a day and it's not literally changing the way that you think the way that you act installing new boundaries potentially thinking about whether the life that you've created is actually the life that you want. And some people just want to bury their heads in the sand for a little bit longer. Yeah. I mean, that's like, what would kind of be like, if people are listening to this and they're like, this is me, (laughs) (laughs) I like, they might be like, I can't just quit my job or I can't, you know, whatever the most stressful thing is in their life. Kind of what is, if you had to give like one tidbit of like something that they could do that would like start them on this path of calming their nervous system a bit and like lowering their stress levels? I think honestly, it's having a morning routine. And I think that's literally, I know a lot of people say it's automatically the thought comes back and I always get, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I'm too busy. And That's rubbish because I'm not saying your morning routine doesn't have to be an hour. Your morning routine can literally be as ridiculous as it sounds. Your morning routine can be five minutes. If you give me two minutes of meditation, two minutes of journaling, and then write down three gratitudes, it's just getting your brain used to thinking a different way. It's giving yourself some time for just you before the rest of the world comes in, before... and. I think if I can potentially kind of add something as part of that, I would say if you can have the first half an hour of your morning without your phone, very hard because we're so addicted to it, but life-changing. And I try and see it as 
especially if you can get up that bit earlier to do a little bit longer of a routine. Um, I try and tell myself, because I know some people will come back to me, some of the excuses have been, but what if there's an emergency? And what if there's this? And what if there's that? And I'm just like, but you wouldn't have been awake anyway. You wouldn't have seen your phone anyway. And you realize the longer that you do it and you get used to not having it, there are really not ever really any emergencies. And it's just something that your brain's telling you because it's trying to keep you in your comfort zone. It just, anything that kind of gives it a quick dopamine hit, which is your phone, um, it wants to stick to because it kind of, it wants that. But in the long term, and to be honest, not even that long term, like give me a couple of days of doing this and you will literally see the change automatically of just taking that time for you. And before everybody else gets to you, before you kind of get influenced by somebody else's bad mood or another war or something else that's going on in the country, in the world, there is a lot going on right now. And we need to protect our own energy first. Absolutely. And I think, and I'm curious what your thoughts on this are, because I think sometimes people, you know, they'll adopt something like this for a little bit and it'll Mm -hmm. be like, well, I didn't like notice enough of a difference to keep doing it. And I guess for me, I kind of feel like I enjoy my morning routine, but I wouldn't necessarily say that I noticed this huge shift, but I think it's because it just happens more gradually. And especially Mm -hmm. if you're dealing with symptoms as a result of that, that would really be where you kind of start to see a shift. Like, it's not going to be like you wake up one day and your whole life has changed because you have a mind. Like it's, so I'm just curious kind of what your thoughts are on that, especially if you're working with people and they're implementing things and they're like, I don't get it. Like, I'm I'm not really feeling any different, you know, two weeks in or something like that. Yeah, I think it's something that definitely builds. And I think it's something that it just, it's that at first domino, right? And it's the domino effect. And I think it just gets you thinking about things differently. It, you're, I like to talk about the stress bucket. And with my clients, it's all about emptying the stress bucket and doing things that kind of help fill your cup in a good way and not just kind of contributing towards your stress bucket. And I think by having a morning routine, it gradually kind of takes away from things that are filling up that bucket. Um, and I think it builds and by having affirmations and starting to see things in a more positive light, like that starts to have an effect throughout your day and how you look at things and how you look at yourself. And yeah, don't get me wrong, like having, especially if you're just doing a five minute routine, um, it's not going to suddenly get rid of your bloat, but it is the first step that I think also is just so important in putting yourself first again and kind of getting into that mode when you then start to get curious about other things and potentially doing it longer. And then you might start reading a book or kind of following more people on Instagram that kind of that do those things and that have those routines um, and lifestyles that you aspire to, um, which I always really recommend to people as well, like clients, if they're struggling with putting together some goals or their vision board, I always recommend like, well, who do you aspire to? Who do you look up to? Who do you follow that you genuinely think, yeah, they've got it right. Or I'd love their life. Like, what do they do? What do you think um, kind of, helps them and when you look at the habits of every single successful person or nearly every single successful person they all have a morning routine so I think that kind of it speaks volumes and just stick with it and it will work yes well I love that I love a morning routine too and I also feel like for me lately I'm kind of I'm like a free journaler like just write whatever's in my head 
And I'm kind of lately being like, I'm just writing the same thing every day. But that to me is kind of like, I need to like amp it up. Like what is the next journaling practice that I need to get to like the next step? But I never would have gotten there if I didn't start by just journaling the same thing every day. Like exactly steps where it it helps you on the like evolution to where you ultimately want to go. And you'll see the impacts with every step. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. So I would love to hear, I know we've talked obviously meditation, journaling, but what your specifically morning routine is, if people want to copy yours. Yeah, of course. So I typically, I get up around six and then I make myself a hot drink. So either like green tea, peppermint tea, sometimes hot water and lemon. Um, And I get cozy at the moment because I have to admit the morning routine is a little bit harder in winter. Um, so, and I also have, um, a sad lamp. So I put that on for half an hour to kind of just give myself a blast, like automatically kind of, well, blast of like sunshine. And I always feel a bit more energized after that. Um, and I typically sit down, I meditate straight away. Um, and I do a guided meditation. And at the moment I used to do longer. I've actually, I've taken it down to 10 minutes. Um, at the moment, if I want to do longer, I do longer, but I make sure I get 10 minutes in. Then I journal. And like you say, I kind of, I free write. I try and make sure that I at least do a page um, just to kind of get everything out. Because I think sometimes your brain can be a little bit lazy and it's like, oh, I haven't got anything to say today. And I literally just, as I'm sure you've probably kind of spoken about on here before, I, I just free write. Like anything that comes into my head, no matter how silly, how stupid, even if it's just things for my to-do list or I've forgotten this or I've forgotten that, I just write it down. It's literally like a brain dump on paper. I always feel way better afterwards. Um, and then I do um, 20 minute Pilates and then I get out for a, a 20 minute walk and listen to a podcast. Um, when I get back, I have a celery juice and I do, I'll either kind of flick through some emails or respond to some DMs. Sometimes I get some reading in depending on how much I've got to do. And then I have some breakfast and get started for my day. Amazing. What a delight. <laughs> yeah. That's um, not a great morning. <laughs> I love that. But exactly. It's all adaptable. Like there's some mornings where certain parts of it are shorter. You might have to skip something, but it's also like that being in tune to like what will help you, like what you need kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I'd say like my non-negotiables, if I had to pick them would be meditation, um, my walk and my celery juice, I think. And I have a couple of questions, callback questions a little bit. You mentioned that you were reading a lot of self-help books. Yes. Any favorites that you would want to recommend that people check out? Yes. I'm just trying to think because I've read so many. So definitely, I love You Can Heal Your Life, um, Louise Hay. Um, good Vibes, Good Life by Bex King. And then I'm thinking this, and I really loved, um, this is a more recent one, but Manifest by Roxy Nafuzi. Um, but yeah, I've got a lot more, but I'll leave you with those three for now. I am I am actually reading The Body Keeps Score at the moment. I'm halfway through that. And that is so interesting and totally about everything that we're talking about and how your mental health affects your gut, vice versa. Um, yeah, fascinating. Yes. Well, those are great tips. And then I know we had like touched on the, the anxiety and the depression, like, how is that now that you've kind of come so far along this road? Yeah, I think it's just 
completely transformed and I do think I'm not one of those people who thinks that um anxiety just goes away like it just doesn't I think if you're kind of predisposition to um being an anxious person it's something that's always there bubbling beneath the surface um but it's just so much more uh I handle it so much better and it's just so much lower um, and I know also now, like I'm just so much more in tune with my body. I know to look out for when it could potentially spike, what kind of things could cause it to get a little bit higher maybe. And on those days, I really lean into my routine and my tools and what I know um, works for me and kind of what calms my body down. So I might make sure that that day I do a longer meditation or if it's before I'm about to go into a big meeting or presentation and I'm a little bit nervous about it, I might do an extra five minute, 10 minute meditation. I might be like guys, like I might kind of step out of the room and not be able to talk to my family or friends for like just before it and just have some me time, um, breath work, things like that. But yeah, it just, it feels like I'm so much more in control and like me now. And it's just something that's kind of in the background that stressful times I know might rear its head a little bit but it doesn't rule me or my life anymore. And I think that's so helpful too, because I think for people to understand that the end result isn't always like, I'm a hundred percent cured and everything's perfect now. Like yeah. obviously we all have our predispositions, predispositions to certain things. And it's just yeah. like you said, it's the managing them as best that we can. And just like them not being quite so like overwhelming in our daily life. Like they have their place and, and we can kind of live amongst it. And it's not so- yeah powering and also I think it's kind of seeing the good side of it as well because I think anxiety can kind of be so linked to like the perfectionist high achiever because you're always on the lookout for things right you're always on the lookout for things that could go wrong because your brain is thinking about well how could we do better um and I do think that that kind of personality does mean that you can kind of you can go above and beyond for people and you're more thoughtful and I try and see it as it's a good part of my personality as well. And it's actually why my friends and family love me. It's just making sure that the bad parts of it that used to take over don't, and they don't anymore, which is great. I love that. And like you mentioned, meditation and breath work are like your two biggest tools for that. Yeah, I would definitely say they're my two biggest tools. And then if you can, like if you have the extra money to do so, acupuncture, game changing. Um, I love that. Or even just a massage, just taking some time out for you that's self-care. And I think it's always having those kind of free things that are kind of so easy to use because obviously it's like within your body, but like who would have thought breath work, like literally as easy as breathing. Um, but taking some time out to, yeah, love on your body as well with a massage or some acupuncture. Amazing. I love that. Well, I'm, Kim, I could literally talk to you forever. We'll probably have you back on for something else. <laughs> I know, me too. I've loved it. But what, I ask this question to everybody on the show, but what is one toxic thing that you've released that's had a major impact on your life? Oh, it could be so many things. I think something that kind of leans down into everything is not fighting my body anymore and kind of seeing my body as the enemy and working with my body instead and realizing that my body 
was only ever, even the symptoms were just kind of warning lights to be like, hey, <laughs> need to check what's going on here. Like there's like, you need to fix this because our body and symptoms and everything. And I know anyone who's listened to this that might be in a particularly dark place with symptoms right now, you could be like, what the hell? Like what, how are symptoms helpful? But they are like your body only ever wants you. It has one job and it's for you to survive. So if it's giving, if it's chucking out symptoms, it's, I like to see them as clues and they're clues as to what's going wrong. And it's only ever trying to help you. So yeah, definitely. Instead of kind of getting angry at my body, which I was for such a long time and was kind of in this victim mentality and why me and watching my friends eat whatever they wanted and drink whatever they wanted and be like, I treat my body like a temple, but it it just, it wasn't true. If you've got symptoms, there's normally, I'm sorry to break it to you, but there's normally something that you're doing that's causing them because your body is the most sophisticated biocomputer that exists. And if it's out of sync, it's normally something that we're doing. Yes. I think that's such a huge tip because again, like, like you said, it's so easy to compare ourselves to other people who seem like they can eat and drink or do whatever, but in some ways it is probably protective that we can take care of ourselves earlier in our lives before other more complicated things maybe even pop up down the yeah, line. Because for exactly. a who can just eat and drink whatever they want, <laughs> like having an impact, we just don't see it. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's invisible. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great tip, especially for anybody who's experiencing any degree of symptoms or just anything else. I mean, I feel like we, especially as women, it's like, our bodies are underappreciated, let's just say. For the oh, yeah, one million percent. Totally right. agree. Well, this was amazing. I would love for you to share how people could work with you, connect with you, all of that kind of stuff. And we'll link it up in the show notes. Yeah, of course. So you can find me at Glowgetter underscore X on Instagram. Um, yeah, that's where mainly I am. Um, and you can kind of go through to my website and everything through there. And yeah, so I one-on-one coach clients at the moment. Um, I've got the glow method, which is my four-step method, which we've actually touched on quite a lot here. It's literally, it's the steps that I took to heal myself and, um, put them into a signature program to get you back to feeling like you and healing your gut for good and ditching the dreaded bloat. But yeah, four steps. Step one is get a nervous system reset. Step two is the lay lay the foundations and rewire your subconscious patterns. Step three is open your detox pathways, eliminate and rejuvenate. And step four is win over your gut. So restore your microbiome and rebalance your body for good, which you can finally do because you've addressed the stress. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I'm sure a lot of people who are dealing with these issues will definitely check you out. Thank you for being here. Amazing. Thank you so much, Nicole. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. So now I'm going to recap the takeaways. Number one, gut issues are more than just GI symptoms. It can result in things like chronic fatigue, anxiety, and depression. And these are not symptoms you need to just learn to live with. Number two, healing is a continual process and there are many layers. You're not becoming a new version of you, but really getting back to the real you underneath it all. Number three, as a perfectionist, it can be hard to take action with self-development, but putting the learnings from books and courses into action, you learn that all of it's really fluid and it's never going to be perfect. 
Number four, when your body is locked in the stress response, you can't rest and digest. So it doesn't matter how perfect your diet is, especially if it's diet that's actually contributing to your stress sometimes. Food will either go right through you or get stuck, creating bloating and constipation. Number five, steps to heal your gut are getting your body out of the stress response, laying the foundation with healthy habits and lifestyle, and a focus on nutrition. Number six, many women struggle with IBS, gut issues, high-functioning anxiety, are type A, perfectionist-type people who have people-pleasing tendencies, and they also don't like to be told when they're doing things wrong. But there are better ways to do things and ways that can support us to feel better. Number seven, Number one stress tip is establishing a morning routine and including things like meditation, journaling, and gratitude. And it doesn't have to be long, but it is the first step in starting to make yourself a priority. Number eight, anxiety doesn't have to be a bad thing. Rather, it's just a facet of a personality that has positives and negatives, and we can learn how to appreciate it and manage it rather than allowing it to overwhelm us. And number nine, your body is not the enemy. Symptoms are clues that something is wrong, so we should appreciate them and work with our body to get back into balance. So I hope, again, that you guys really got a lot out of this one. I just, again, felt like there's so many amazing tips here for kind of how to just lay the groundwork for a lifestyle that just supports whole health in general. So, so many great tips of things that you could implement into your intentions for the new year. And if you are enjoying the show, I would love to hear from you. You could reach out to me at the.detox.diaries on Instagram. And of course, share with a friend who you think could benefit and leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you so much for an amazing year. 2022 has been a great one. I so appreciate every single one of you who listens. And I will see you in a couple weeks in the new year. Bye. Bye.